more than just multiplying that 132 times three. And so you have this opportunity to have a really long relationship with somebody and versus other businesses, you have one of the possible highest possible lifetime values that you can get out of a client. And that only happens if you can establish that trust. You can only establish that if you've chosen to become the guy and that you understand that you're hiking up that mountain of safe retirement every single day and that you're helping your client make sure that they can have that satisfaction of knowing that they're have a chance to win a six-day all-expenses-paid-for trip to Cabo, Mexico. Hey, yo, this is Christian D. Evans, host of Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. First, thanks for listening to this amazing episode. If you find this valuable, please share, like, rate, and comment in the section below and show our guests some love. Secondly, we are very excited to finally release the never-before-open-to-the-public our Be Uncommon Mastermind, where you can network, collaborate, and receive one-on-one mentorship with eight- and nine-figure business owners. I have had the opportunity to network and interview top-level eight- and nine-figure business owners on our podcast, like Nick Cavuto, who produced $2 billion for his clients and works with people like Gary Vaynerchuk and Tony Robbins. Uh, also interviewed Pascal Bachman, who has built a mid-eight-figure business, someone like Vinny Fisher, which is a four-time eight-figure business owner, JC Granger, uh, Mandy Ellison, and so many more. And we have realized that many of your our listeners struggle with lack of clarity in their business, lack of clarity in structure and scale of growth of their company. And it feels like you're handcuffed to a treadmill. Uh, and and it's, it's like going full speed and you realize if you misstep once, the full thing comes tumbling down. That is why we are opening up our Be Uncommon Mastermind where you have the chance to work directly with top level eight and nine figure business owners in my network. Plus, when you schedule a call, show up and learn more, you are entered for a chance to win a six day trip to Cabo, Mexico. All expenses paid for. So be sure to go to christiandevans.com forward slash mastermind dash now. And you the link is actually in the description below. Make sure you go to christiandevans.com forward slash mastermind dash now. And make sure you sign up, schedule a phone call, learn more, and see if you qualify for our Be Uncommon Mastermind. Now, we are very exclusive on who we are taking on. So make sure you click on that link below. So guys, uh, enjoy this next episode. And remember, be uncommon if you can. Cheers. Thank you so much for tuning in to Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. I'm your host, Christian D. Evans. And guy, this, uh, guys, I am just so excited about having this individual on because he's born and raised in Ohio, but now lives in Portland, Oregon, but a marketing genius in the CFP world, which is certified financial planners. And that's the reason why I wanted to have him on because, man, those CFPs, you are just compliant heavy. Like the SEC is <laughs> going to get you. The FINRA is going to get you. Lawyers are going to get you. There's so much that you really can't do. But guess what? He has figured out a path. And that's the reason why I want to have him on. He's a certified digital marketing professional and online reputation consultant. He's been working with online compliance for state registered SEC and FINRA regulated individuals and firms since 2008. And we all know what happened in 2008. He is also the host of Digital Marketing for FP podcast, CFP Professionals. They also join his show and share how their digital marketing strategies are working for them. He's also O-R-M-E is a consulting program that coaches business owners in sculpting their online presence, taking a proactive approach to online reputation management, and he's also the owner, CEO, and founder of Digital Marketing for FPLLC, my friend, Jacob Wagner. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Good to be here with you today, Chris. How are you doing? 
I'm doing fantastic. And I really appreciate you just j- jumping in because like I mentioned on the front end, you know, I do know that definitely in the CFP world uh, and just the finance world, I mean, there's just so many disclaimers you have to put on the front end and stuff like that. And um, boy, you could just, just get eaten up. Uh, and a lot of people, honestly, CFP, let's be honest, it is a tough market. You could throw a stone and hit almost 10 CFPs, right? Uh, and so my question really is when you're working with these individuals, what are certain red flags that people should be aware of when they're leveraging marketing and social media marketing? Um, well, I have to say that, you know, when it comes to one, if people don't have a good compliance process would be one of the places to start with. And also I am not an attorney, please consult with your compliance attorney for any specific details about this. Um, but you know, making sure that you have the latitude that you want to be able to get out and to the market is really important. Some, some types of firms have more restrictions than others, and it's also about how you archive that. But one of the hardest parts about marketing for certified financial planners is that testimonials are only recently starting to be able to become used. And frankly, that's a part of like the bigger sales process. It's a part of social proof. And it's a part of what every normal person is looking for when they're trying to see, is this someone who I want to work with? Well, what I find very interesting about this is we all know the importance of marketing, definitely social media marketing, and that's kind of integrated in marketing now, right? It's just it's just so natural. Uh, and the thing is, with the CFP world, like I was mentioning, it is so highly regulated, uh, and there are certain things you can and cannot say. And like you said, there are you know compliance. You have to obviously you know facilitate just a compliance department and being able to work through that. Now, my curiosity is the 4FP agency that you've been able to build. Um, kind of tell us a little bit about what you're able to do. For for a lot of you know, certified financial planners. Sure, absolutely. So um, this company has gone through a good few iterations, but what we have done for the past five years or so is really specifically focus on the digital marketing element of helping a financial planner get exposure to new markets. You know, one of the interesting things about this digital marketing stuff is that it opens up a lot of possibilities for especially smaller businesses. You know, before especially when you're looking at like John Hancock or any of the big banks, you know, they have a budget that just, they can buy that ad on the back of the baseball stadium and a small business can't, but what you can do is you can use digital advertising and get in front of the right person. And also you can actually through the acts of like doing better targeting, you can also get closer to actually getting to the person that you're trying to reach. You know, like ideally, if you're advertising to somebody, you want to show your ad to someone that wants what you have to sell. You know, like we've kind of forgotten about this just through like three channel TV and all of that. But, you know, and looking at some weird medication ad that applies to 0.001% of the population, that's not the best way to do it. You know, a far better way to do it is like, oh, these are, this is what someone's interested in. This person might actually need my help. How do I get that message in front of that? And one of the big deals, one of the big things that happens often is, you know, especially for planners, is that we're looking for, you know, someone who might have a net worth of one to five million dollars. That's not everybody. And so how do you actually get that message to that person? How do you communicate that you're worth trusting? And how do you also communicate that you are going to have that person's best interests on, you know, in heart? And some of that's done through how you charge. Some of that's done by saying you're a fiduciary. And then there's also a whole bunch of people out there that you need to watch. And maybe they're a fiduciary if they talk about one thing and they're getting a commission off of another. So for everybody on the show, make sure that you understand how your financial planner is getting paid. And if you're a financial planner, 
I encourage you to look at a fee-only way of looking at it. And even on a mathematical level, commissions are actually not as profitable if you look over a five and 10 year horizon as doing like charging by your time and charging by AUM. Well, what I find so interesting about this is, like I was mentioning, most of the CFPs that I am familiar with um, and run businesses, they rely a lot of referrals, right? That's where majority of their acquisition comes from, is the referral system. And they have a pretty good dialed process in that, right? The cost is relatively mm-hmm. low. However, though, I, I just, I'm curious in regards to like this strategy, um, like you were saying, it's been able to open up different markets, right? That you didn't have access mm-hmm. to before. And I'm talking mm-hmm. you know, over state line and all sorts of things. So with that being said, what acquisition channel have you found is most, most beneficial for CFPs? Because obviously you may not be on Instagram or you may be focusing a little bit more on LinkedIn because that may be more of your client, definitely with mm-hmm. $1.1, $2 million net worth individuals. Just curious. Yeah, well, one, you want to be on the network where you're going to not just find your ideal client, but also where they're going to be in the mood and receptive to what it is that you have to share. You know, if it's your 10 o'clock at night and your wife sends you to the grocery store to go and get some ice cream and your ice cream, you know, refrigerator and you have the most perfect client next to you right there, that's still not the right time to actually open up and start to have that conversation with them. So you want to actually like make sure that you're having the right conversation at the right moment with somebody. And also, as far as those things, I think there's a lot of misconceptions around referral marketing and the costs. Um, My friend Michael Kitsis puts out a market research report every year. And the most recent one came out a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And actually, especially when you're looking at the cost of a a client celebration dinner, which I think was somewhere around that the client acquisition cost through that approach was somewhere like $6,000. That there, yeah, that there are some ways that, you know, people have traditionally thought about going and acquiring clients and that wasn't necessarily what was as effective. So what was more effective in that study was one, SEO, which is a long-term investment. You know, you want to have a good company and there's a lot of people out there who will offer it and not do the best job. The group we have, we vetted a lot to make sure to be able to know that they were the right team to work with. Um, also, another one that showed up, and this is for everybody, we're the official marketing consultant for the Garrett Planning Network. And the Garrett Planning Network, uh, Michael Kitsis' XY Planning Network, um, let's make a plan.org, which I think is a part of the CFP board. Some of those places are actually looking like they're the cheapest way to acquire clients. And so, you know, really to encourage folks to, you know, look at some of the sacred cows that they've had in the past that they think are the best way to grow their business. And there might be some other opportunities there or a way to also have a complementary strategy as well to lower those costs. Well, you mentioned something because I think that is very, very viable uh, because that is always the question that most business owners are asking. It's like, okay, what's the most cost-effective acquisition channel, but also that will produce the biggest output, the biggest result, right? Mm -hmm. And what have you found is that channel? Uh, Is it it like cold email outreach or is it more of, you know… would, would it be just more of you know LinkedIn direct messaging? Like you said, SEO, mm-hmm. but I do know that SEO long-term, it will outwin, but just to collapse timeframe, sometimes you're looking for that you know consistent pipeline right now. So yes, long-term, you always have that SEO strategy. Um, however, though, I'm just curious, like just in order to have the, the, um, the, the sales process a little shorter, mm-hmm. what does that look like for yeah. you? Yeah. So one, I would say that 
you're going to have the group, everybody who you add to your email list is someone who has raised their hand and said, I'd like to learn more about you. That there's a lot of studies that show that every dollar invested in email marketing can produce an ROI as high as $42. You know, that there is, the thing is, is that those folks have said that they like your approach. They like your way of doing things. And so I think that the people that you have cultivated into your audience are going to be one of the best places. Um, when it comes to something like cold email marketing, however, I have to throw up a big caution sign. Um, one, we all get a lot of email and, you know, I don't know how it goes for you, Chris, but at this point I'm getting offers for funding is one of the ones that happens to me a lot. I'll get eight emails in my inbox in the morning. I'll get text messages for it. Other things like, like this is cold. When you approach someone with cold email, you haven't established any know, like, and trust. You haven't established any authority. And also that person has never actually raised their hand and said, I want what you have to offer. You know, so that's a place that I would caution there. And then also that when you're protecting someone's finances, this is one of the most treasured and protected and sacred parts of someone's life. You know, if you're a financial planner that you're being trusted with someone's golden years, you know, and that you're gonna help make it so that they have a life that they would like to be living when they're retired, maybe even a legacy along with it, but also, you know, protecting their spouse, there are a lot of feelings that are involved here. And so, you know, you want to understand what the real job is and what you're really doing. You know, there's a lot that computers can do around, you know, giving you different like performance returns and all that kind of stuff. But a financial planner is going to be the one who can actually listen to what you had to say, take a quiet moment and hear that. And then also think about what you have and the resources you have at your disposal and help make the best life for you. And that's really important. And one of the things and one of the reasons why I chose financial planning as a, a niche is my father wrote a piece called To Think Like a CFP. And it instills the uh, professional ethic and professional onus that a financial planner has when they're doing this work. And I think that's just one of the most important things to understand. If you want, if, if you look at the possible lifetime account value of, let's just say a million dollars under AUM, which is, you know, maybe one client, maybe a part of that client. You know, if you look over 10 years, that's probably $132,000, but it is perfectly reasonable to make it so that you're actually looking at a 30 year time horizon. And this is when you're using that fee-only approach where you're charging for your time and how you're helping their nest egg grow. And when you're looking at that lifetime account value, it's a lot of money. You know, it's a whole lot of money because that's also compounded interest. It's a lot more than just multiplying that 132 times three. And so you have this opportunity to have a really long relationship with somebody and versus other businesses you have one of the possible highest possible lifetime values that you can get out of a client. And that only happens if you can establish that trust. You can only establish that if you've chosen to become the guide and that you understand that you're hiking up that mountain of safe retirement every single day and that you're helping your client make sure that they can have that satisfaction of knowing that they're protected. Yeah. So on the front end, just to kind of reiterate what you're saying is, you know, making sure you have that no like and trust factor, right? Which is, you know, what, what a typical marketing side of things. Uh, and I do know, like, obviously, 
leveraging a, a channel that has your ideal client. So, you know, obviously if, if you're a C-suite or a CMO or anything like that, then naturally you'll go toward LinkedIn. But if you're going forward mm -hmm. more of like doctors, then maybe that might be more of like, you know, speaking engagements or podcasts that doctors may listen to, right? Uh, because again, they wouldn't be on LinkedIn as much compared to others. Um, you know, and so you just exactly. you really, you just find the acquisition channel. So now, and I like you were saying as well, because I do know that the front end takes a long time. Like the sales cycle could take, you know, several months before you close because, you know, definitely oh, yeah. if they already have, yeah, definitely if you already have a CFP, um, you have to find someone that's already kind of in the pain um, that like, Hey, I don't like my CFP. I'm looking for someone else. Uh, and like you said, though, on the back end, the, the LTV is just remarkable because there's a stickiness. Now, speaking mm -hmm. of stickiness uh, and making sure that the turn rate is really relatively low so that you don't lose clients and all those assets. Um, I have always known, and this is just in the digital marketing space, but also just in building businesses is, you know, creating a community that allows to for other people to basically have a conversation, talk and, and, and stuff like that. Um, with CFPs, have you, have you figured out that by having a, a community of clients, maybe that might be a Facebook group, maybe that might be a live training every week or a webinar or something like that. Have you found that mm -hmm. to be um, beneficial long-term for the LTV? Absolutely. Well, one, yes. I mean, so one of the things, especially I come from the digital marketer school of thought and a part of what you're doing, if you're doing, say, a Facebook group is that you're gathering our small community, you're cultivating that know, like and trust factor. And it's also a low barrier to entry. You know, people don't people often have very weird feelings about how about their money lives. And so like it might just take a long time. Uh, for them to figure out what it is that they want and for them to actually raise their hand. And yes, absolutely have clients that have cultivated where it seems like there's a nice spot in the, like the low hundreds for a group like that, where someone can come in and they can be that content authority, share the information that they want to share with the, with the audience, um, respond to people. You do want to make sure to have enough understanding about compliance. You can't give advice in a public channel. If you're, you cannot respond to someone's specific situation in a public channel, you need to actually take that as an opportunity and say, I'd love to talk to you about that, but I can't do it here. How about you set some time aside on my calendar and let's have that next conversation. You just got your hot prospect meeting. So this isn't a problem. It's actually going to help you in the long run. So with that compliance side of things, so... Um... Let me ask you this. So instead of facilitating a, a public channel, maybe having more a, a private channel or a private group, would you be able to still give that advice or no, it'll be just better to no. have one-on-one? -on -one? They're not related. As soon as you have more than one taxable entity in the same room. So I mean, like a husband and wife's okay, but even I've had clients where they've actually had like two sisters and their husbands, they're both, they got an inheritance or something. So they're looking for a planner. They both found somebody there was a client and they actually, that my client had to make sure to not tell them for several months. And then apparently they both went and turned to each other and said, I have to tell you about this amazing woman I've been working with. And they go and they're, oh my gosh, it's the same person. But no, from a legal perspective, she can't disclose that private and confidential information. You know, as soon as you have that, there's some some bad actor might be in the situation that you didn't have the ability to watch. And that's one of the things that can happen in these groups. And I do not know about like, it will be data mined. 
So, you know, are you actually doing something uncompliant because the data is, your information is automatically being disclosed with the Facebook algorithm or, or even anything in Google as well? Um, yeah. Yeah, which makes sense. So, and so I also want to think about the, the current customers that you do have and, and creating a community around that. And the reason why I want to kind of posture this a little bit is because the, what I've noticed is uh, definitely with, like I said, the CFPs that I'm, I'm familiar with and talking to, they get so frustrated when all of a sudden the stock market you know, has a COVID situation, right? Or it has a downturn and all their clients, yeah. yeah, yeah. Emotionally, they get, oh my gosh, I'm, I, I want to pull my money. I want to stop doing this, blah, blah, blah. I want to stop everything. And the reality is that it's like, you got to calm them down. And it's almost, you have to sit there and one-on-one teach them now uh, and tell them, of course, you know, uh, diversification and dollar cost averaging and understand all that concept. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we're actually buying stuff on cheap and all that other stuff. But a lot of people just yeah. are emotional. And they don't get that almost 90% of people. That's the reason why they're in the situation they're in. So the thing is, is by creating a community, it allows them to almost be proactive and in sharing that information on the front and saying, hey, that's okay. Pushing out kind of a notification and saying, hey, jump on my webinar. We're going to actually talk about the downturn and how we're going to be uh, you know, very proactive and the reason mm-hmm. why you shouldn't sell. Is that something that would be viable for a CFP or what does that look like? Absolutely. It would be viable. And uh, something else I really like about what you said is that it's a one-to-many communication. You know, so you can basically say, hey, here's the lay of the land as I see it right now, you know, Um, but at the same time, um, what was that thought? Um, You would just have to have the right disclaimers on the front end, correct? Well, that too, but also actually it's more than just like a written disclaimer. You want to have your clients trained. The, if you're going to, if there's an 800 point swing on a certain day, which, you know, has happened recently, especially with, you know, wars in Russia and stuff like that, you actually want to have your clients trained to not call you on that day, that you want them to know in their heart of hearts that they are protected, that they're covered. And the worst thing that they could do right now is mess you up. You know, you're often making sure to make sure to protect them. You don't want to have your phone ringing off the hook when you need to actually be reacting to the market. So that's one piece is to actually get in front of it by having them know that you are on top of it, that there is nothing that they need to actually talk to you about. And if you do want to make sure to talk to your audience, it's a good thing to do. You want to talk to your clients all the time. You know, my uh, mentor Ryan Dice says dating doesn't end with marriage. You know, you want to make sure that you're treating your clients right. And so that one-to-many communication saying, hey, guys, it, and it could even be something simple, like record a quick video, you know, in Zoom or something like that, and just send it out to everybody and like, I've got your back. It's going to be okay. Yes, this is a strange day, and I'm working hard to make sure that you're still going to be safe when you're retired, you know, because that's what they really want to know. Yeah, and I think this is so viable because I see a lot of individuals, it's more like no news is good news. And it's not really facilitating almost a conversation. But also, when you you think about long term, it's hard to scale when you have almost 100, 200, 300 high level clients, and they're all calling mm-hmm. you, you get overwhelmed very quickly. And it's hard because you, you need to almost have the same conversation to every single one of those individuals when the reality is you can automate that process a little bit. Uh, so speaking of kind of, um, you know, kind of the the business structure of a CFP. So which would be better to acquire more clients or to find the clients that you have and then just increase the value, the lifetime value of that and sell like upsell different products? Need to do all. Um, I mean, there's only three ways to grow a business, you know, and it's kind of funny that there's, it's limited to that, but 
You can either sell the people that you currently have as clients more stuff. You can take what you're already selling them, and this is happening a bit with inflation right now, and raising your rates. That's also happened. And then the third thing is to find new people that you can sell to. And so, you know, each one of those has their own place. And especially if you're a wealth manager, and also as you build your client's wealth, that builds your wealth. That's a part of the incentivization model of the AUM approach is that you get paid better because you're doing right by your clients. So that is a good way to make sure to grow your, your, your investments. And also when we're tracking this with our clients that we actually track both, that we make sure to track what are the new assets that you've brought in and what new accounts from existing clients that you brought in. Because there's, if someone has, I think in the five to $10 million range that they on average have three or four financial planners. And so, you know, a part of what you're doing is trying to show that you're the most trustworthy one. So that that way they bring more assets over to you. So with this being said, because um, when you're talking about kind of, and, and that does make sense hundred percent in regards to obviously, you know, increasing, increasing your rates. However, though, let me ask you a little bit about like strategically, you know, increasing that rate. So would you say it's more strategic in um, doing it in a downturn or when the market's level or when like, it's more of like, okay, Hey, we're, we're seeing the roof now increase our rates. What does that look like? Oh, I think it's definitely easiest to raise your rates when things are all looking good and the folks are doing it right now is absolutely a part of that inflation process cinching on all sides. So I think that it's a little bit dangerous. Um, but I also have to say that, you know, there are people with 30% down portfolios right now, a good financial planner, that might be eight. You know, and so that's a part of it is that I think that a real financial planner and a good financial planner proves their real worth in a market downturn. And one of the other reasons why this is so important is that it takes twice as much gains to get back. If, if you lose 5%, you need to make 10% to get back to where you were. So that's really important. So losing less is crucial, especially it depends on your risk portfolio and how close you are to retirement. But sometimes you can't afford to take those risks too. You know, um, you know in those stock market crashes of 2008 and 2001, you know, if you were uh, at a grandfather who was a Bell Labs engineer and the, he had all of his money in AT&T and Lucian st stock, went down 40% in 2001, that absolutely changed their retirement. This is something that you can do to help protect people in their later days, make sure that they're okay and uh, leave some of that for the next generation maybe too. Definitely. Well, one of the things I always found, and, and we won't talk about this too much, but I, I found very interesting with COVID, you know, when the market dropped just crazy and things were on discount. I, I me personally, I bought a lot uh, and dollar cost average down on, on some stocks that I even had. Uh, but I found very interesting. One of the best mark, uh, one of the best, um, you know, investors of all time, Warren Buffett, in fact, sold a lot of his airplane stocks specifically and just took a loss. Uh, and I was really surprised that he decided to do that instead of dollar cost average. I know his his number one rule is don't lose money, but obviously in that circumstance he did. But what I always found interesting is that when you sell something, you never have an opportunity to at least make some of it back. Um, now, again, I'm not asking you like, why did Warren Buffett do that? It's more of, you know, helping clients or people that are listening when that happens should they sell and just take the loss and move on or should they you know dollar cost average because and expecting that the economy will go up it may not be tomorrow it may not be 30 days it may not be 12 months but it will come up and you will at some point uh be profitable 
Well, one thing is for sure, you know, and also not a financial planner and not regulated as one, um, but you want to buy low and sell high, you know, and that's, that's not some sort of investing secret. And if you're buying, if you're in, if there's a lot of nerves when the market's down. And so, you know, you can really want to, but that is also when you sell at a loss, you have just realized that loss too. You know, if you wait and things adjust and it comes back or you use a dollar cost averaging technique, you know, especially like the beginning of COVID when we lost a third of the stock market for a little while, that was emotional. That was a stock market having a panic attack. It came back. That stuff was always worth what it was worth before. Took a while to get back there and maybe there was some overvaluation or something, but that was an opportunity. And when you look at Warren Buffett, he's a little bit different than everyone else, right? One, the man is the richest person in the world, still drives a 1980-something Volvo and doesn't have a computer. When he looks at an investing something or other, an investment opportunity, part of what he's looking at is, is this going to be used? And so when Warren Buffett's going and selling airline stock, it's not just what happened in the stock market that day, especially because he's such a big player. He's actually looking at the next two years where we've had, you know, plane, like, you know, plane tickets, it was like $50 to go to the middle of Mexico for a little while there and stuff like that. And we're just trying to keep the lights on. They're paying, uh, you know, pilots triple time right now, stuff like that. They have a lot of raised costs. Their margins were already close and the price of gas just went up even higher. So, you know, I think he is just an Oracle, you know, Oracle of Omaha, and he saw all of this on the wall. And he's like, no, this isn't something good to get in. I want to, I'll take that loss because I will make more money by investing my wealth somewhere else and growing it through another channel. And, you know, and we've seen the price of plane tickets, they're not, they are now like a whole bunch higher than they were before the pandemic. So, you know, I, I think the Warren was right on there. That makes perfect sense. And uh, let's kind of pivot a little bit. So we're talking, obviously, you know, the front end acquisition and the mid channel as well, kind of really increasing lifetime value. Um, however, though, I could just hear some of our clients or, or some of our listeners saying, okay, this is all well and well and good. Um, however, though, how to make sure that you, you have a consistent, consistent pipeline, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, with these strategies, Jacob, how are you able to kind of delegate or automate some of these, these outreaches so that you could focus on what you're good at, which of course is maybe closing those clients? Yeah, well, I mean, that's exactly where I was going to go with it is one, you want to make sure that your message is appropriate for whichever part of the funnel that they're at. You know, if someone's getting to know you, they might want to, you know, go out on some metaphorical dates, you know, some coffee dates, not dinner dates yet. You know, as they're getting further down the, down the funnel, you know, at first they might have a question of what is a financial planner? What do they do? Why do I need one? You know, but as they get closer and closer to signing up, they're going to be like, okay, I know I need one of these financial planner people. What kind do I want? How do I want to, do they need to be local? Do they need to have some sort of training that's specific for me? And so, you know, their questions are going to change as they get further down the funnel. And they're going to know if you're the right guy for them or gal, sorry, you know, if you're the right guy or gal for them. Um, and, you know, it's about how you're going to serve. It goes back to Simon Sinek's and it's not the, what are they going to do? Financial planning. How are they going to do it? You know, if they have a school of approach, but the why that's going to be a part of what's going to really bring that client in at the end. And that's a part of why, like when we work with clients, we use an ideal client approach 
you know, an avatar approach, who is it that you're going to bring to you? What life events did they have happen in their lives? And what, how did, did you give them a way to say, okay, I'm sorry, you're going through a divorce. That's horrible. You know, how can they raise their hand and say, I need your help? Because financial planner, you're going to cost a third of what that divorce lawyer is going to cost. And so, um, you know, please let me get this help from you. And how are you going to actually make those steps to your front door? Use automation. You know, I like email automation a lot. Um, also, you know, letting folks know how you're going to serve them. If it's through social media content, whatever network you choose, or if it's paid traffic. You know, what is the problem that you're solving? You know, how is that person going to, how is their life going to be better for working with you? How is their average day going to be better? You know, what are they going to have before, even if it's a sense of security, um, you know, and like, do they look good to their friends because they're, or their wife or their brother or sister, because now they know they're being financially responsible. You know, each one of those is a part of what someone's going to be looking at, even subconsciously. Well, also in, in, and I want to kind of emphasize this a little bit because when when I have talked to like just beginners uh, and like CFPs that are just kind of building the book of business or some people that are built a big book of business, but they want to scale. Um, and, and I think this is really good from just like a, a full business strategic approach, because what I've noticed is majority of people that really scale to the next level, like eight figures. Uh, kind of businesses or maybe assets under management. I, I'm not sure exactly how that works uh, in the mm -hmm. CFP world, but really sub-niching down to that avatar. And what I mean by this is, hey, I only work with doctors, right? Period. Mm -hmm. And maybe even getting even further and saying, I work with dentists, right? And that, that have a practice, right? Because now all of a sudden you become that expert in that sub-niche. Um, and, and I know from experience, because, you know, whenever I talk to some of the CFPs, they're like, who's your ideal client? Oh, everybody, whoever's got money, mainly right. anybody that has a million dollars or more, right? You know, and that's, that's kind of the basis. But what I found interesting is the people that really scale, because then what happens is, you know, exactly that ideal client, you know, their pains, their frustrations, their annoyance, and you can talk directly to them. So with that being said, uh, Jacob, is that something that you help with? And also by saying that, how have you seen your clients by dialing that in? What kind of result have you seen because they've been able to dial that in? Sure, absolutely. And let's also run with the example that you just gave. So we have a client who's in the, the Midwest. Um, just want to leave him, give him a little bit of privacy here. And he actually has a relationship with the state's medical society. And the medical society actually even helped him with the creation of his business. And he helps doctors. And there's a couple interesting things in here. One, talk, being a doctor isn't easy. And one of the things that's exceptionally not easy about it is being an attending, a resident uh, physician. That you go and you have this time in your life. One, you go through medical school, get an insane amount of debt. Then you go and you're broke for the first number of years while you're getting your training. Then all of a sudden you're a real doctor and you are all now you're earning half a million dollars a year so there's this wealth thing that happens where the financial planner who focuses on that can help doctors in a way that they aren't going to be able that they'll have that insider information into what's needed so that they can actually help that doctor more more than another financial planner would um, also it's given them a number of marketing opportunities um, that I've had clients come to me and they'll want to do something. We have all these topics, right? 
one of the common topics is social security because we all pay into it. It's also a horrible option most of the time because we all pay into it. So it's actually one of the worst things you can do because it'll bring in completely unqualified prospects. But in his specific scenario, when he goes and talks to the local medical society and he is their financial guy, comes in and talks to them about their social security needs, one, he knows what they have. You know, he knows that over a good career, this is what they have walked in and what they, you know, where they probably are financially. And so that's really, really important. Um, two, he can also actually cater that conversation and that information so that it is a specific and tailored fit for what that physician's going to need. Now he's shown that he understands their specific situation, what's going to build that no like, and trust factor even more, you know, especially because he's like, no, just doctors. You know, and so those folks who raise their hand and come over to help with uh, get help from him. You know, Michael Kitzes also has a wonderful story about a guy. This is hilarious. Bass fish. What a crazy niche. Bass fish, a billion dollars of AUM of just trophy winning bass fishermen. You want to know a niche? That is a ginormous company with a ridiculously small niche that is hugely successful. So yes, you can uh, you can dive really far down into the niche and you just want to make sure that the people who are there are going to be able to properly afford your services. You know, like I think that that's the one thing to keep in mind. Well, well yeah, you're exactly right. Because one of the things I always found so interesting is so many people have this like misconception of like, oh, if I if I get too narrow, then I won't be able to produce, right? And the reality is that you can build honestly an eight-figure business just from that niche. I mean, there's just it's like mm-hmm. it's such a scarcity mindset. It's just switching that paradigm and that mindset saying, hey, you know what, there's this massive potential. But the reality, uh, Jacob, as well, is what I figured out is it's like once you understand that truth, now it's a matter of well, who do I really like to spend time with? Do I love to spend mm-hmm. and talk about dentists? Because maybe I have an enjoyment about dentists. Maybe like you just yeah. said, I, I literally just talk NASCAR racers. Cool. That's what I do. And I just work with their uh, their, their assets. Yeah. And I'm a CFP yeah. for NASCAR racers. Wonderful. I love NASCAR, right? And we could talk NASCAR or maybe golfers, right? Whatever it may be. Uh, it's just, I find so interesting because it's like, it's really dialing that in. And like you said, having fun with it. And enjoying about it and talking shop, uh, Jacob. Just I really, first of all, I appreciate the the immense knowledge that you brought. Uh, talking about not only the strategy behind specifically CFPs, but also the compliance, but also the structure, and really increasing the lifetime value of those individuals on the back end. Uh, you know, uh, Jacob, if if some of our individuals now are listening, maybe need a CFP or looking for kind of their their own scaling um, of their own agency um, for CFP, that is. Um, how can they reach out to you? Sure. So if you want to talk to me, the best way to get to me is go to the website 4fp.co, the number 4F is in financial fees and planning.co. Um, if you are in need of your own financial planner, um, one, make sure that you first ask how they're getting paid. And I encourage you to go for someone who does not get commissions and is what is called fee only. Um, And maybe even someone who's a life planner, which is a specific niche where what they do is cater to your life needs. I'd say go to garrettplanningnetwork.com. That would be, it's a group of, they are a client. um, And it's a network of financial planners where that's spread out all over the country. You can put in your zip code and find somebody who is definitely a fiduciary, fee only financial planner near you. Um, also, let's make a plan.org, which you might hear on your local 
NPR channel as well. But those are some of the places that we want folks to get access to CFPs. Awesome, Jacob. And also, um, you know, again, I just appreciate the value that you brought. Is there any last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah. I'm going to share a Jacob Needleman quote, which is that money isn't the most important thing in the world, but it is kind of up there with oxygen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is Jacob Wagner. Man, I appreciate you being on here, guys. That is Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. Until next time, remember, be uncommon if you can. Yo, this is Christian D. Evans, Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. We thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode. If you feel and you know that this was valuable to you, please show some love to our amazing guest by liking this, by commenting on this, by making sure that you do a nice five-star review and just show some love to our guest. That'd be really awesome. Also, make sure you share this with a friend, a family, a colleague, someone that you believe would bring value to their life right now. Uh, and guys, we just want to say thank you again for just being part of our community. If you want to have more resources, don't be afraid. Go to christiandevans.com. You can actually schedule a phone call with me or you can send me an email at christian.evans at beuncommonifyoucan.com. That's christian.evans at beuncommonifyoucan.com. Always love to hear some feedback and let me know what is the number one or two things that you are struggling in your business and your life and we'll make sure we have those conversations. Guys, that is Journey with Christian Davis podcast. And until next time, remember, be uncommon if you can. Cheers.